Oath Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Hello, friends and listeners. Welcome to this new episode of the Thor's Hermes podcast. And it is not only a new episode, it's the beginning of a new season altogether. So, welcome to season three of the Thor's Hermes podcast. My name is Rudolf, I am your host, and this episode is brought to you on June the 9th, 2019. With the new season, there are also a few new things coming up and happening. A few premieres are already in this episode. The first you just heard, yes, we do have a new intro and outro music for this podcast. And it was written especially for Thoth Hermes by one of our listeners. Remember when I asked those musicians among you to contact me for it? Well, several of you did. Thank you all. Chris Roberts, a listener, musician and Facebook friend from the UK, finally sent me the music you just heard. And it's going to be our intro, hopefully, for many episodes to come. Chris had written the music behind the lead guitar, originally for Tarot Key 15, The Devil, and he now transformed it purposely with a form of harmony and beauty in order to show and express that the old exoteric meaning was mistaken. Thank you so much, Chris. Also, this is the first episode where I'm joined for the interview with my co-host, Lena, who I have been announcing some time ago. Welcome, Lena, to the show. It is great to have a female voice with me here. Talking about which, our interview partner is also a woman today, American writer, academic and spiritualist Susan B. Martinez. More about her in a moment. Some of you, those who are subscribers on the site or who are regulars on our Facebook page, might have already read the first newsletter of Thoth Hermes, which I admit became a rather lengthy one. I'm not going to tell you all here once again, no worries, just to point out a few little but important things for those who have not read it. The regular episodes of Thoth Hermes are from season 3 onwards, well, from now on then, all interview-only episodes. This is what you listeners like and are interested in most, as a survey showed me. But no worries for those who like the other parts. Music will regularly be present on this show, not in each single episode, not today for example, but whenever it makes sense or something interesting will be available. Book reviews and news go into a new format, the Thos Hermes Ex Libris. 
Those are regular episodes in between the interview shows, where each time within 50 to 60 minutes, I will present four books or news items a bit lengthier than I could do them earlier, and each time one of those will be accompanied by a 20-minute interview with an author or event organizer or whatever the topic will be. I hope you will be enjoying this new format as well. The first Ex Libris episode by Thoth Hermes is not far off, so stay tuned for it. Talking about that survey, thanks to all those who participated in it. You really helped me to know my audience and your wishes better. I will try to realize as many of your wishes as I can and the new Ex Libris format is already one of the reactions to your thoughts. Also, and this is the last announcement for today, all episodes are now also available on YouTube, all of them from now on, for those of you who like to use that channel. For the moment they are audio only with a steady background image, but the first video interview episode will come sooner than you and I expected, maybe already in a month or two. So look out for that. Okay, please, then send me your feedback through the usual ways, voicemail on the website www.thoshermes.com that is T-H-O-T-H-E-H-E-R-M-E-S dot com send me an email at info at thoshermes.com or through the contact form on the website but also send me messages via Facebook or Twitter. All of this is welcome. As I said just a minute ago, our guest in the interview today is American writer, linguist, teacher and paranormal researcher Susan B. Martinez. And the reason for the interview, one hour uninterrupted today, so no musical interlude, is that her new book, Filth Guide to the Spiritual World, The Science of Angel Power, Discarnate Entities and Demonic Possession has been released by Inner Traditions about three months ago. All details of the book and where to get it, as usual, on our website. It is a very interesting book, which Susan had been planning to call Overshadowing initially, and you will get the explanation why in the interview. 
It was extremely fascinating for Lena and myself to talk to Susan, and the discussion turned into a highly interesting talk also on spiritualism and faithism, as it is called. Now, I admit that I was not aware of this faith or belief very much before I read Susan's book and then especially until I talked to her. Susan has been part of it for almost 40 years now. Maybe those of you who live in the US know more about faithism, but also for you, I'm sure you're going to discover very interesting thoughts. Susan is a person who has strong beliefs, talks about them and stands with them, and that is very interesting. Sometimes she can be provocative, sometimes surprising, but all her views and opinions are filled with a lot of knowledge of the subject and we really enjoyed talking and listening. So let's not wait any longer. Come with me and listen to Susan B. Martinez. Here comes the interview. I'm very happy to welcome on the microphone of Thoth Hermes podcast, Susan Martinez, who is joining us from Georgia uh, today. And also, of course, my co-host, Lena, who is the first time with us on this interview. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Very glad to be joining you for the first time here with Rudolf. Hi, Susan. Hi, Lena. Hi, Susan. It's very good to have you. And the reason, Susan, uh, that brings us together today is a book, uh, a new book that you have published, uh, well, a few months ago now already, uh, which I think is a really exciting one and which goes by the name of Field Guide to the Spirit World. Um, we're going to go into that uh, in a few minutes uh, before we start, I know Susan and uh, I have heard that in several interviews that you gave that you don't like to talk about your personal background and I'm not going to ask you about that. But I think it would be interesting for our listeners if you if you just tell us what brought you to that field. We know you are a scholar. We know you are interested in those topics in different approaches also from your other books. but. But just explain maybe to our audience who have not yet read your, any of your books, who have not yet been in touch with your ideas and thoughts, um, where you come from uh, as a scholar and as a, as a writer. Um, well, first let me say that <laughs> the older you get, the more your ideas, uh, okay, if you're a writer, uh, become clarified, uh, particularly what, uh, what you want to make sure that you have written about in your life. Um, and I think I'm in that category. So um, I wrote a bunch of books before I got around to writing about the spirit world, uh, even though I have been a spiritualist for um, the 80 close to 40 years now mm -hmm. uh, I didn't start out that way and I, I came from a family of um, uh, agnostic intellectuals musicians um, it, from New York that's where I grew up um, and um, so uh, by the time I came of age I was on my own to find out uh, what was re what was true and what was real um, right before in, in my 30s 
I, I got a hold of the um, OSB Bible, and that's been a tremendous uh, influence in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, around the same age, I, I realized for myself that, that the purpose, maybe not the purpose of life, but the purpose of my life was to become a better person. Okay, I have an academic background. Uh, I, I got a degree in anthropology from Columbia University, but all of that became irrelevant very early in my life. And I struck out on my own, and I've been on my own ever since. Uh, discovered spiritualism uh, shortly thereafter, and um, have taken the scholarly approach to presenting this kind of material to the public. Personally, there is a quote out of your book that I really liked. I'm going to read it now. Um, when science and spirit work together openly and appreciatively for a common good, balance, harmony, and progress are achievable goals. Try to subsist on either alone, science or spirit, and our efforts founder. Neither one alone can, complete, can competently map out and improve the human condition. The enlightened man deals with both. So... I think this quote is very poignant because our society is massively fragmented and suffers from this divide between spirit and matter. It is contemptuous of the modus imaginalis, of intuition, of foresight, its very own dreams. So how do you think we can avoid reducing the human mind to the human brain? Because as an author, the way I see it, you stand between two worlds a bit metaphorically and literally. You are a doctor in anthropology, as you said. but. Yeah. Also, you have parapsychology and spiritualism as main interest. So how do you balance or even better bridge that divide between... Okay, right there is the key word. You you uttered it yourself. The word is balance. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am also involved in prophecy uh, because there's a close link between uh, spiritualism and prophecy. And the Oaspe Bible, which I quoted a minute ago, um, has prophecy for this new age. We are right now at a grand turning point. We're on the cusp of a brand new paradigm. Uh, the old way is fading, and it's going to be happening faster than you think. Um, the new way, one of the ways to characterize the new paradigm is that physical man and spiritual man come into balance in this new time, and that is what is happening now. And so that is the key word to all of this discussion. We can streamline it. We can simplify it. Uh, Every one of us is responsible for finding that balance. In what ways do you think this uh, could take place? What are the remedies for, let's say, the, the malaise of our society? Everybody is an individual, and so I'm not going to present any uh, formula, but Mm. I am going to say that the critical thing at this point is for us to recognize that we, that this this, uh, uh, age of materialism uh, is fading fast, and uh, we, it's up to us to develop the alternative. Um, Most of us... uh, are conscious of this to uh, one degree or another. And uh, what everybody does counts. What every individual does in every little way counts toward this transition from a deeply, grossly material age Mm -hmm. 
to a more spiritual one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a big part of our audience, as we are broadcasting here from Europe, is European. And yeah. I think uh, that many of uh, on this side of the Atlantic haven't really a good idea about spiritualism as a as a well i don't even know how i would put it i wouldn't call it a belief would you call it a belief or would you call as it a, a system a, a system Maybe. yes exactly yeah. or about the Yuaspi bible of course we know about it because we've read your books and we have briefed mm -hmm. ourselves but would you uh, be willing susan to give us a a brief uh, a definition uh, of spiritualism from how you see it and maybe also just say a few sentences about the Waspi Bible, where it comes from and what it is and how you came to it. Okay, uh, let's see. We've got two uh, separate uh, uh, questions there. And remind mm -hmm. me if I get sidetracked, okay? Sure. Um, the first question is about uh, coming to some kind of definition of spiritualism. But um, I must say that I, I, I feel... Knowing what I know, I feel a little peculiar having to uh, define for human beings what is a basic, essential part of their nature. Yeah. Um, uh, something that I want to remind people of is that uh, we are uh, we here in a Western civilization uh, are in a tiny minority compared to uh, the historic past and also compared to the third world in which um, uh, uh, our spiritual selves were have always been a, a part of their thinking. Um, so, in a way, uh, really, what I should be explaining is how did we ever get so materialistic? <laughs> and that's a separate topic in itself, and it's something we could talk about. But um, here's another side to this, uh, Rudolf and Lena. Yeah. Um, people do, uh, people are caught up in materialism, all of us are. Yes. No yeah. doubt about that. But let me tell you. The uh, the uh, uh, atmosphere of the Earth is changing. The position of the solar system in the cosmos is changing. We are entering a region of great light. And so this affects us all. This affects our thinking. This affects our minds. This affects our psyche. And so what I want to say in that regard is that people are becoming more aware quietly within themselves. Maybe they're not talking about it. Maybe they're not expressing it. But there is this inkling. There is this thing that is kindling now and growing stronger. Uh, it, at this point, it's more like a curiosity. But the uh, spiritual side of humankind is developing, is actually developing at, at this point point in time so um also this is not the easiest thing in the world to talk about because it's it deals with we're dealing with the ethers we're dealing with the intangible mm -hmm. we're dealing with the unseen and so these are the subtle these are all the subtle points of life indeed yes but thank you for 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 that answer because i think it's it's fascinating and would you just one additional question to what you just said when you talk about us or our world entering to into a new light 
Um, yeah. Do you mean uh, a spiritual light or do you mean, is that also linked to, because you talked about the change of the position of the solar system, do you mean this also in a, in a physical, material way? Oh yeah, the latter. Both, okay. Very, uh -huh. very much so. Mm -hmm. We're talking about cosmic light. <clears throat> the cosmos consists of uh, regions of darkness and regions of light. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're sailing into a, a region of supreme light. And this is going to hold for thousands of years. Uh, we're coming out of uh, darkness and into light. Uh, it has a, uh, a very much a physical aspect to it. Um, even uh, the, the, uh, my knowledge of this uh, does come from Oaspe, but I want to say that even the scientists are seeing this. Uh, they're, you know, looking at, uh, beyond into, with their uh, telescopes and whatever, whatever they have to look beyond, and they're seeing uh, a new kind of eth ethereal uh, substance. They're trying to define it. I can't recall the exact phrasing that they have used, but science has indeed uh, found this region, this, uh, this new characteristic of the outer regions. Mm -hmm. But we haven't combined our knowledge. Not, science has not put it together with spirit yet, but that's what's coming. Right. Interesting. And you said I may remind you of the second part of my question about Waspe and uh, if you could just let uh, tell us a few words about Waspe and also how you came first in contact with it. Um, You're lucky if it's only a few words because... <laughs> well, as um, many as you like. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my biggest topics. Um, this is one of the Bibles of the world. It came into the world in 1882. Um, in New York City, it came... Uh, it was uh, transmitted by a, a, a legion of uh, angels uh, to a mortal... Uh, man who was happened to be a dentist uh, in New York City in the 1880s. Um, it was um, the uh, first and uh, largest case of automatic typewriting. The uh, Remington uh, typewriter had been invented in the 1860s and marketed. Um, you know, the, uh, the war was over, so uh, Remington had a Uh, turned from manufacturing uh, weapons to mm -hmm. something uh, more for civic society. And so the typewriter came out in 1876. And uh, Dr. Newbro, Dr. John Newbro, uh, was the amanuensis uh, for the Owaspi Bible. He is the one whose hands were controlled uh, to, in order to implement the automatic typewriting on the Remington, which his uh, angels had uh, uh, instructed him to purchase and to start practicing on. Um, uh -huh. Okay, that gives you a picture of the mm -hmm. uh, transmission. Yes, yeah, so it's a that kind was, of channel, um, a kind of channeling, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It was a kind of channeling. Oh, oh yes. Yes, uh, mm -hmm. channeling, but. Um, Uh, they took total control of his hand, mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's uh, channeling in the sense of automatic, uh, automatic writing. writing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what was your approach to it? How did you how did you get in, in contact with it, and how did you well how did you mm. take it in okay. take it um, that way? Um, in in the early 1980s, 
I was um, living a kind of the hippie life in um, in the back hills of Arkansas, the Ozark Mountains. Mm-hmm. Very nice part of, uh, of the United States, kind of in the center. Yeah. Uh, the Ozarks are very charming, uh, mm. very peaceful, a lot of gardening, a lot of pot smoking, uh, uh, just uh, a whole lot of fun. Um, we were raising a family at the time. We were meeting other people who, pe- people, people were leaving, people like us were leaving the cities and, and coming to uh, the farm, mm-hmm. uh, coming to a uh, farm for themselves and whatnot. Anyway, that's what I was doing in the early 80s. And one of our crowd was a fellow who had uh, read uh, Owaspe and um, was finished reading it and uh, showed it to me and I became interested. And so I, uh, I said I'd like to uh, buy it from him if I could. And he said, fine. And um, so then the next thing I knew, it, it was my birthday and... Um, I had already given him a, a check. I think it was for $9. <laughs> um, anyway, um, it was my birthday, and he brought the Bible over, and my check was all ripped up and inside the first page. Um, so it, it was actually gifted to me. Mm-hmm. And I've been with it ever since. It's, you know, 35-plus uh, years. And um, this, is, uh, this is intended as a, a Bible for the coming new age of, of mankind mm-hmm. uh, it's okay. not here to any pati- any particular rig- religion it's universal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. did Lena okay. want to say something? <laughs> I think so <laughs> yeah well we're venturing into spiritualism today but as you might know a lot of our audience identify as occult practitioners and they work uh, by invoking deities, channeling forming pacts with entities and spirits occasionally, and the pursuit of the so-called higher self is the main objective for many occult paths. Um, The personal demon, the egregore, and the concept of the mighty dead, the ancestral spirits, as something very empowering and positive, something to pursue. Um, In your book, you give a lot of warnings against, let's say, forming uh, these bonds with the spirits. Um, and you also say that usually these are spirits of the dead that are pretending to be something other than they are. Uh, I mentioned this now because you just said that the Oaspe Bible was essentially a channeled text by a legion of angels, as you as you mentioned. So where do you stand uh, in relation to channeling entities and seeking out this this relationship with the spirit world in the end? Do you see it as something to be pursued or do you have your objections against the occult practices such as those that um, I mentioned before? Well, um, the uh, people who um, have been uh, with OASPE for a long time are called faithists. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, aware. we're called faithists, and yes. um, that's what I am. I'm a faithist, mm-hmm. and I realized I was a faithist long before I ever got OASPE. I want to say that yeah. uh, faithists do not recommend um, trying to get in contact with spirits. That's not at all mm-hmm. what we're uh, about. In fact, uh, uh, well, there's, there's a place for it. Okay, let me take that back a little bit. There's a place for it, mm-hmm. but um, that's not uh, part of what I'm doing. Uh, 
the right now the um, I have to say that what I what I brought out in the book was um, really more information about negative spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need yeah. I needed to do that because the new age is so um, has been so uh, uh, in love with the uh, uh, beautiful spirits, the and and beautiful angelic uh, side mm-hmm. of spiritualism that they totally neglected the dangerous and dark side of uh, spirit personalities, and so that is why I wrote the book because yeah. uh, it is. It is part of what we need in order to overcome the difficulties we are in uh, right now. Okay, mm-hmm. but uh, because you spoke of this dark side uh, of spirit, this overshadowing, that was also your preferred title for your book, your original title. Um, and to me, doesn't fear of spirits speak also volumes about our fear of an alien other? especially if that is an, is an unknown facet of ourselves. Uh, you argue a lot against psychology's mainstream views, um, but isn't fear of spirits very similar to fear of the sides of ourselves we bury in the subconscious, like a dark underworld, metaphorical underworld of sorts, beyond the veil of our dominant personality? Should we really erect a barrier against this, or should we embrace it instead and try and work with it? That, that's my let's say, the core of my question. Um, we need to, uh, we, we can embrace it. Uh, mm-hmm. We need to understand what is out there in the spirit world. We need to understand that what happens to our own spirit when we uh, pass over, when we cross over to the other side and how important it is to have, to have a refined knowledge of what is going on on the other side of life. Um, the more ignorant we are before we cross over, yeah. the harder a case we are in, in the dark side of the spirit world. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm not speaking against anything. I just want uh, our knowledge to increase for us to understand uh, both the dark and the light yeah. side of mm-hmm. the spirit world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can I can understand very well what you're saying here, Susan, because I would define myself, if anything, as a hermeticist, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, To me, as you just said, it is one of the main problems of the so-called New Age movement that, to take to say it a bit bluntly, everything, everybody is happy and we just have to kind of push away the dark mm-hmm. side of things yeah. at, in order to repair all the problems of this world. And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> so I'm, exactly. a, I'm totally with you uh, on that one. Um, and it... it Actually, what you just said, Susan, uh, throws for me a new light on your book because it's. Um, do, but I just want to make sure that I understood you well, uh, and maybe you would like to expand on that a little bit. Um, does that mean that because so many of those movements exaggerate towards the one side of the spiritual world, let's put it that way, um, um, you have to point uh, make a point and be very clear about that other side that dark side in order to well again balance out things do i get you right mm. yes and uh, we need to understand that what i'm arguing for here is uh, 
entirely new definition of psychology, of human psychology, because the even Elena, you know the word yeah. psyche comes yeah. from Greek. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is a Greek word. <laughs> and it means yes. what? Soul. Yeah, it means a soul. It means a soul. So uh, the modern science of psychology and psychiatry has totally abandoned the soul. Mm. You know, this is what this is. This is why our civilization is going down the drain. The we 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 are spiritual beings. We have we have a soul, and so the science that has the nerve to to name itself after the human soul has turned its back on the on the spiritual beings that we are. In in giving a new definition to mm-hmm. psychology, we're going to open the door on the problems that we are living with now. And I'm going to enumerate a few of them. Uh, depression. Okay, uh, these are not my categories, but mm-hmm. uh, they are the well-known ones. These are the words that are well-known, at, at least in my country. Mm-hmm. Uh, depression, uh, bipolarism, schizophrenia, autism, um, what, what have they left out? Uh, multiple personality, obsessive compulsive disorder, you name it. Anything that comes into the category of a emotional or psychological problem uh, will have a better answer, a more useful answer, once we probe the spiritual side of man. And that is why I had to uncover the negative stuff rather than uh, repeat uh, for the millionth time all the positive stuff that the new age has brought to us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you? Now I, I I'm not meaning this provocatively, but would you say your book is voluntarily biased? Mm. Oh, absolutely. I have mm-hmm. no problem with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's how I, I get it from you. Uh, now, the I, way you put I, it. Yeah. I get mm-hmm. so. I get so annoyed when people ask me to show both sides. Your whole <laughs> life has been the other side. Now, here's this voice, and it's saying, hey, look at this point of view. Mm-hmm. I don't have time right. to, to, to spend on, on the standard model. That's what I'm trying to denounce. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, can, like, this book has been published, I believe, for about four or five months from, from now. Am I right? I think it's about that, right? Um, Let's see, April. We only got two months. Only two months. Okay, so maybe it's too early to ask that question. But um, how? At least, how are the reactions to it? How? How did you? Uh, di- do you think that people got the point that you were were going to make, or is it accepted? Let's put it that way. Of course, they get the point. But is it is it accepted, or are you encountering a lot of a lot of um, opposition? Um, opposition. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll tell you something interesting. Um, There was one interviewer who thought that, oh, yeah, he thought that my uh, opponents would come from science and psychiatry and psychology, but uh, it was a phone-in show, you Mm -hmm. know, where people call in by telephone and and make their own questions and comments. Mm -hmm. And the opposition, let me tell you this, all of the opposition, and it was strong, was from the Christians. Oh, really? 
Okay. Yes. So this was very interesting as, uh, as part of uh, a part, a partial uh, answer to your question. Um, and I even have an interpretation of it, which is that I believe that the people who are professionals in the uh, field of psychology uh, understand what I'm saying a, a lot better than they can admit because it's a matter of career whether you go over to the spiritual interpretation you cannot do it it's just not acceptable mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's too big a gamble mm -hmm. uh, but in their heart of hearts um, they uh, understand the symptoms I talk about and delineate in the book you know all the checklists I have for overshadowing for negative uh, spirit influence all of that is totally recognizable to the professional who works in this field. Uh, and so um, what is interesting is that the Christians uh, oppose it, which uh, isn't even right, because you in, the, in their Bible, Jesus performs exorcisms, and, and their heroes mm -hmm. and angels perform exorcisms all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. I remember that this, the 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 it moment when, when when the, the the demons went into the pigs. Even yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, do you um, can you name the two or three main arguments the Christians would oppose to your book? You know, I'm a little confused because it don't make sense that they're uh, opposed to the spiritual point because it's in their own Bible. But um, the churches have taken to uh, have taken to materialism in the same degree that the rest of us have. Okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they are That's... they are married to the materialism of this life, and so they have to deny it the same as the uh, scientists have to deny it. But um, Rudolph, probably in an hour after we get finished talking, I'll think of a good answer <laughs> to that question. But it, it don't come to mind at this moment. Sure, no problem. Maybe you have an idea. Um, well, partly. I I mean, this is just a tiny bit, and maybe Lena can even help us with that. But there again, <laughs> we speak about language you know and yeah. and uh, for example if you just take the word demon the word yeah. demon when the bible the christian bible i mean was written at the time the word demon in general had yeah. a completely different and completely probably different less less materialistic um, meaning mm -hmm. as you as you rightly say susan mm -hmm. um, than it has today and uh, if we talk about the demonic possession in 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 the year 100 after, after uh, of this era it might mm. be different than 2000 years later uh, i think that could be part of of, of the problem couldn't you mm. right and when you said that it made me realize part of my answer to you is that uh, the christian probably thinks that this is from uh, satan that this is satanic yes. for us to be talking about spirits yes and At the time the Bible was written, the Christian Bible I'm talking about, I mean, yes, the Christian Bible in New Testament, so to speak, Satan wasn't even defined in that linguistic way as it is today. No, no. Right? It, that came much later. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, we're talking about words, um, not to blame your publisher, but to make a point of your book. Um, the book is called Field Guide to the Spirit World. And uh, I know you agree on my opinion that this is a bit a misleading title, and I think we should tell our audience um, what your initial title would have been and, and okay. why and why do you also believe that this title is a bit misleading okay um, that's perfectly okay um, 
the uh, publisher came up with that title. It, it wasn't my idea. Mm. And, you know, they have the right to uh, title a book their own way. Sure. And so they, they won the argument when I opposed it. And uh, I really, I, I put up a, a big battle because I felt um, if it were truly a field guide to the spirit world, this, uh, all the action in this book would be taking place in the heavens of the earth. It wouldn't be on the earth in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but um, and I fought and I got very bothered over it. But let me, let me tell you the, uh, the, the punchline there is that after a while I got to like the title and I, I felt, uh, I felt that, you know, the, the, the uh, publishers are the experts in marketing. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're the experts, not sure. me. Sure. Uh, and so they're the ones who knew that this title would uh, catch the uh, attention uh, of the uh, wandering public. Um, and so after a while, I thought, hey, that's a pretty cool title. You know, it'll, mm-hmm. it will attract people. And, and that is the uh, ultimate aim. Um, I will say one more thing about it, and that is that I was in love with my own title for the book. And I had, I had titled it that all along in my mind, even before I ever wrote the book. Mm-hmm. It, it's called the overshadowing, right. and that is the principle that uh, that I am bringing out, and that underlies everything I say in the book. That we, as mortals living on this earth plane, are certainly being overshadowed by uh, like-minded spirits in the unseen world. And um, oh, I'll add one more thing to this little uh, story, and then I'm done. Uh, <laughs> the reason um, my publisher gave for rejecting my title, The Overshadowing, was that it sounded to them too much like horror, like a horror story. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, like haunted houses, etc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Do we, do we need to see ourselves haunted by spirits as yeah. you define them, by demons, by, by well, yeah, spirits, let's just leave it like that, in a world that is already full of problems of material problems also is it really the spirit world that creates those problems or is it just a supplementary explanation of those problems uh, whoever we are and, and whatever level we have achieved whatever goodness we have whatever uh, nastiness we have that is the same kind of spirit we attract into our aura uh, and so the uh, fundamental principle is like attracts like And so this goes across the worlds. Uh, and so uh, the, the, more, it, the whole focus for a faithist, which is what I am, or I should say for a spiritualist, is to Im- Im- upgrade yourself, is to improve yourself and bring others with you. Uh, upliftment is the ultimate good mm-hmm. of our religion. Mm-hmm. Upliftment. First, you, 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 you clean up your own act, And at the same time, you help uplift those below you. This, in fact, is the structure of the entire universe. Every resurrection has one above it in which upliftment is taking place. Uh, So um, that's one way to interpret your question and give it a personal meaning, that your work, anyone's work, anyone who's listening to me now, your work is to make yourself a better person and bring others up with you as well. 
for example, you say you speak a lot about psychopathy and crime and its associations with possession in the book. Um, but elsewhere in the book, you say that psychopaths are actually made. So aren't destructive families and, and you know, a, a traumatic bringing into a society that is as cruel as the one we live in, the real graveyard, the real haunted house of the soul. If we put too much emphasis on the possession aspect, maybe we give an excuse to the society we live in and creates the problem, perhaps. Um, yeah, we don't want that to happen. But let me tell you something. When you give out knowledge, when you give out anything, you have no control of what people are going to do with it. Mm. Okay, uh, you wash your hands of it. Uh, you can only, you cannot control what people say, think, or do. Uh, your only part is to do your best, is to try, uh, is to try to be as close to the truth as possible. Because isn't that what God is? Isn't God the truth? Uh, can, can we define truth? Is is yeah. that in our world possible? Yes. Yes, okay. and, and, and that's exactly where we've lost our way. Mm -hmm. we, we don't know right from wrong anymore. We don't know a truth from a fact. We don't know a fact from a fiction. We have lost, we have lost the ability to judge things, and that's because society has taken it away from us by taking away our spirit side, because spirit can always help you comprehend the thing. That's, that's half of our own mind and half of our own power. Okay, I see where, I see where you're going. Um, you, you just said when, when, we, um, when we are doing uplifting things, we start with ourselves, right? And by what we are doing with ourselves, then we also start uplifting others. Does this happen by example uh, or, or what is the vehicle that will move this uplifting from us, from ourselves, from each individual that we are to the other, to the one, to our brother, so, so to speak? Uh, it takes, um, this is a matter of uh, individual um, efforts, okay? Uh, everybody operates differently, but if, if each person takes into his mind that he wants not only to clean up his own act, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of work there, There's a lot of work there. It certainly but is, yeah. Not only to clean up his own act, <laughs> but to help the next guy find someone. Let me tell you what I'm doing, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I desperately uh, want to help others, the same as I, I, I want to be improved myself. Um, I live in a community here in North Georgia with a, a lot of Mexicans, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, the, unless they have residents here, they're not allowed to drive. Okay. Um, so um, when, when I talk to spirit and, and pray and beg for a way to help, to help others, I got my answer right away. Help, help a Mexican family uh, with their driving problem. And that's what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Let mm -hmm. me tell you this. Um, there's a lot of free food in this county. And every Thursday, which is tomorrow, um, every Thursday they give uh, away uh, just tons of food in the next uh, county. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked a Mexican family. They're, they're a big family, a lot of mouths to feed. And I take the mom with me every Thursday, and we go and pick up the free food. See, so, honey, that's sure. why I say it's sure. individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, sure. You know, you know why I was uh, coming onto that? Because when I listened to you just saying that before, uh, strangely enough, I, I've been, a, uh, personally, I've been a Freemason for 26 years, right? And in Masonry, but not only in Freemasonry, in the first degree, the, the motto, so to speak, is, um, well, uh, uh, discover yourself, because that's the first step, as you, as you just said, Susan, uh, which has to happen. And then in the second degree, the, 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 the I, I don't want to call it the ego, it's the I, turns to the other, to the, to the, to the other person, right? It's very interesting because the way you just said that before reminded me very strongly of that and what you were now giving as very practical uh, examples. And I, I find that uh, very, up, very, very, very positive. I mean, well, it's great and empowering, you, and empowering yes. what you're saying here, absolutely. But it's funny because it seems to me that that this is a development that should be innate in the human being, shouldn't it? It is, and it's been suppressed uh, and uh, forgotten, and that's why we're so sick in mm-hmm. mind and body. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the uh, only uh, thing I want to add to that is that um, I wouldn't put it as a first degree or a second degree or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I would say at the very same time that you're cleaning up your own act, at the very same time you're finding uh, someone to help and uplift. You're finding mm-hmm. a, uh, mm-hmm. a, uh, an outlet for, uh, for your uh, generosity. Um, um, and um, I, w- I want to say two more things about um, being a faithist. We have in the Oaspe Bible something called the seven tetracts, and it's pretty similar to the uh, seven uh, detracts that are in the uh, Holy Bible, the Christian Bible, and it's also quite similar to the seven deadly sins, which is just part of the f- human folklore. And um, in Oaspe, the worst, the last and the worst tetract, which, which means the things that detract from us, uh, mm-hmm. spiritual goodness. Um, the uh, seventh and worst tetract is called Satan, and that's Satan. And the translation is self. Okay. okay. The, the translation is self. So, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, turning everything around and, and looking out and, and beginning again on a new footing, on a better footing, the only the only footing in which we will be able to survive as a species, and this is the footing that we're moving on to. Uh, things are moving rapidly now, and we're moving into the new paradigm, and it's a good time for people uh, to uh, be learning this. Uh, the um, other point I said I wanted to make as a faithist is that our religion, uh, so much of which is based on mm-hmm. what the revelations in thing. Uh, it's called a religion of practice only. This is not a religion okay. of preaching or mm-hmm. anything of that nature. And so the fact that it's practice means that going out and helping someone else, the concept of lifting, uplifting other humanity, it's basic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a religious act. That's the, that's, that's the yes. main, that's the core of it, in fact. That's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, got you. I wanted to ask, 
Uh, because you mentioned uh, acts of generosity towards our fellow human beings, which is something very important. Now, the ancient cultures also extended this generosity to their dead. And it was an essential part of ancient religions that you remember your dead, you honor them, you you show generosity uh, to them, to that world. And this is something that in today's world is, is entirely missing. Does your um, faith provide uh, an outlet for this? Is it is it part of your faith in any way? Uh, this rapport with a and respect. I, I don't think so. I, I think the traditional ways of dealing with the dead are part of the past. Mm. This is just okay. my own opinion, and um, I will, uh, to be honest with you, I will tell you that when faithists deal with the dead and departed, mm -hmm. it's dealing uh, with entities that we don't want around and trying way finding ways to get them to move on okay so you don't think uh, that rapport with the dead is actually a way to remember our past and to honor the past generations remember where we come from as a humanity or as a nation or as like you know a culture the the the, the past the past is not all it's cracked up to be we we need to be future oriented from now on we need to carve out a future, and there's no time even to be worrying about the past. You said that, that, that the paradigm change, you mentioned that earlier in this interview, right? That that is coming. Yeah. Um, and you're saying that it's, it's, it's going to happen fast. Uh, now I have two questions uh, around that. First, do you think that all those difficulties, um, I'm not talking about the psychological difficulties only, I'm talking about things like climate change, uh, I'm talking about all those um, uh, those deep problems between groups of people in the world all over the place, be it political mm -hmm. or, or parts of the world or whatever, those divisions, right, which have become very deep lately. Mm -hmm. um, do, are they a sign of the breakup, like a kind of the, the, the crisis that comes before, before the change? Or, or do you not see them like that? That's the first question. I put you the second one later on. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the, you pretty much said it uh, like it is. Uh, yeah, this is all part of the uh, crisis, the movement of people around the planet. I'll tell you what. Uh, in the last uh, week or so, I've been discussing uh, m m migration with other uh, faiths and Oaspe students of Oaspe, and we have come to the conclusion that this is the pattern. This is the pattern at every cycle. See, we work with cycles of time, and so the um, the fantastic movement of people around the planet. This is what happened. To, uh, in the uh, uh, past cycle, 24,000 years ago, when people were uh, were drowned, drowned uh, and, and salvaged off the continent of Pan, uh, which went down in the Pacific. This is what happened 3,000 years ago when Moses brought the uh, people out of Egypt. This is a cyclic thing, uh, the uh, migration pattern. But we're in a very uh, the 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 new cycle that we're in is the. Uh, uh, to tell you the truth, is the halfway point of man's tenure on Earth, and so it's a very special time. And the uh, the new the the new age that we're getting into is the one where we're going to find a balance. We're going to find that balance that we were talking about before. But mm -hmm. um, yes, uh, okay, climate change, that's another thing that came under discussion in our group, and it was very interesting because there is a certain contortion taking place in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, energy pattern 
uh, of the uh, of the vortex of, of our planet, and it's all contorted and tied up and convoluted, and that is the thing that uh, compresses the lens of the Earth, of the Earth's vortex, and creates uh, uh, very strange patterns of weather and and bad climate. But and but we've been I've been working on it with my people, and. W- it looks like it's it is temporary. See, uh, we're in uh, we're we're in the mo- moment of all kinds of crisis. The um, it's called the braiding of the heavens, and it will smooth out after we get through this transition time. And I'm working on the year 2050 as a kind of turning point for us. And so. Whatever we're experiencing now, people have to understand, first of all, better times are coming. We're going to create it. No one's going to do it for us. We're going to create it ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's what it's made up of, Mm -hmm. self-creation. And uh, that's number one. And number two, uh, the crises, the pain, the uh, toxicity, it's all temporary. We're moving out of it and into the new. Uh, uh, So that's why we need to explore uh, writers like myself who are coming out with maybe unfamiliar ideas, but this is what's on the horizon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that we do it ourselves is a very occultist point of view, actually, funny yeah, enough. Yeah, I was um, thinking of the yeah. same. Um, but the second part of my question, I think I think you already answered it, but uh, uh, just confirm it to me, or if, if not, uh, tell me differently. The, uh, I was going to ask you, uh, you said the paradigm change is going to happen fast, and now I was going to ask you, what is fast? Because in cosmic terms, fast can be 3,000 years as well. But, but you mentioned 2050. So that's the horizon of the paradigm change as you see it. Do I get you right? Yeah, I'm working on a, a new book with, of prophecy and um, predictions for the future. So um, that's a key uh, date, uh, not just for myself, but for almost all futurologists uh, so are feeding off that date somehow, 2050. It's very significant. It's the end of the first uh, 200 years of the Cosmic Era, so that makes it very special for uh, faithists. Uh, the, the new time that we're uh, going into has a name. It's called Cosmon. Mm-hmm. And it's spelt with a K, and it does indicate uh, that we're coming into uh, uh, the age of uh, coming into being cosmic beings. We are going to be cosmic beings, just like the just like the Hopis and the Indians and and whoever was telling us all along we're cosmic beings, and we're coming back into that. And the and the new era is called Cosmic. Um, I'll tell you, um, I have my own. Uh, predictions, it's sort of a stuff I'm still working on, but I think this year, okay, sometime between now and 2021, we're going to have so much um, collapse of, of the infrastructure. That's mm-hmm. where I'm looking right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, we won't be able to patch things up, Rudolph. Mm-hmm. The patch up, the patch, we're going to become more and more aware that this is not a patch-up job. This is a starting-from-scratch job, mm-hmm. and that everything is going to be falling down around our ears, and there's nothing we can do about it except mm-hmm. to prepare by going back to the garden, by going back to basics, by cleaning up our act, 
by doing those things that we know in our heart of hearts are right. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is very relevant to the current happenings here in London as well. We have an Extinction Rebellion, a massive movement of people trying to, to clean up the act as long as we have a bit of time left. Yeah. And the gardens, the gardens are important. Oh, definitely. You know, teach, definitely. Teach, mm-hmm. teach the gardening to the young, you know, inspire yeah. them with nature. Contact that, with we're, nature. Going, we're going back. This is Indian prophecy all along. We're going back to Indian way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When you live in America and you're a spiritualist, you have a certain tie-in with the uh, Indian culture, Native you American. know? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have that. Certainly. I'm curious about one specific thing, Susan. I don't know if you can answer that, but... Um, You, you said uh, uh, that we have to look into the future and the past is not what is relevant to yeah. us. At the same time, um, when we talk about uh, our body being like a house that can be haunted by those spirits of the, of the dead, for example, how does a faithist um, deal with, not with its own death, that's maybe another matter, but with the death of another, uh, of, of another being, of another human being? Um, in order to avoid that that spirit can haunt other living beings or also but also at the same time without dealing with the past is there a way you do that a way you practice that um i'm wondering if your question is asking how do we protect ourselves against the low low spirit entities yeah maybe i don't know so if, is it that when when somebody dies right um what happens in 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 your view with the spirit of that dead person whatever that person did if he was a good person a bad person just in general what would happen to it Are you talking about our relation with the, that dead person? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, are you talking about it when, when there was someone close to us? Yes. Yes, how you grieve oh. with it, how do you deal with it, mm-hmm. what do you believe happens after? Um, um, we, we are faithless, and um, when someone crosses over, um, we, uh, we accept it, you know, that they're on their way into uh, the new life, the uh, unseen world mm-hmm. and that they're just beginning that they're newborn spirits and that they're you know not capable of much it takes some of them uh, a while to wake up in right. the spirit world and they, uh, they, uh, no ma- they have they have no materialistic part anymore right is that do they get that right let me give you a, an example that may help uh, answer your question mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um something that uh, faithists know and um s- can say to each other with understanding is that um okay here's an example that uh, such and so uh, such and such a person let's say joe blow uh joe blow just went crossed over to spirit world mm-hmm. and um let's say we're talking about him he was one of our people you know and he just crossed over and uh, one of the uh, faiths says well you know at least uh, he could he'll be able to move on he didn't have any uh, children and he wasn't married in other words at least he wasn't tied to the earth right. there wasn't stuff calling him back to the earth this is how faiths talk mm-hmm. this is how spiritualists talk okay. that this person was free he was emancipated by the fact that he did not have uh, earthly bonds so that puts him in a very positive position for the spirit life he can move right on uh, into 
his activities and his um, education in the hereafter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I got your point. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And is there any way that you think a spirit, uh, if it has ties, because many of us have ties, have family, have belongings, maybe which can ties, etc. And um, is there any way that the faithists think he can help a, 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 yeah, a spirit to, to get free? Uh, yes, I. Uh, there. <laughs> this goes back to uh, it's something in the book. Do you remember the part in the book about doing the uh, Zarathustrian uh, mass night? Yes. Uh, yes. I, I had to conduct a ceremony myself once. I'm not. I'm not experienced at all in ritual uh, in, in that aspect mm-hmm. of the religion at all. But I had to do it. I was forced to do it because a member of my family was being um, tormented by her dead brother. And so we conducted a Zarathustrian rite. The rite is 9,000 years old. It's absolutely amazing. It still works. I got uh, people, uh, faithists and non-faithists, to join in. And we, we, we were praying together on three different continents. And uh, it took care of the problem. So the rite of Zarathustra is geared toward uh, praying for the, um, for the uh, resurrection of the dead so that they are not Uh, 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 breathing down our throats. Um, there's plenty of awareness within our re- re- religion of this sort of thing, and plenty of people with uh, um, uh, etheric sight in our movement who who are doing the work. Okay, that's yes, interesting. Sir. Thank you. You write, Susan, in your book that faith is a prerequisite to find the world beyond. So when somebody dies, it is important that they have a faith about an afterlife in order to move on from the material world, otherwise they find themselves clinging. Now, um, yeah, why... Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? Do you mean that the world beyond is something we construct with our, our own energy to an extent? Let me, let me tell you why. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you why, Lena. Um, if you go to the spirit side without uh, any knowledge, of spirit life and the unseen okay. world and, and the and the unseen existence that we the internal existence that we have coming to us if you go to the spirit world totally ignorant um, you're going to your your conscious mind you know your spirit self is going to say hey I'm not dead I'm still thinking I'm alive okay. let me go find a body to live in let me go back to earth and find some body so I can, you know, mm-hmm. really f- be alive. Um, the mind cannot understand its consciousness, its continued consciousness in spirit world, and uh, without knowledge of beyond, mm-hmm. it, the interpretation is that they are not dead and that they are therefore entitled to go right back to earth and find a body to inhabit, okay, to possess. So... Uh, there is a possibility, let's say, for a different kind of reality, completely different from the material one, but you have to be open to that in order to experience it. Yes, you have to be open to to uh, to be enlightened. You cannot be have a closed mind and be enlightened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. I think that's that's a point of view that all. Um, spiritual movements. Let's just yes. generalize. See it like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Susan, 
One final question, which I put uh, forward to all our guests here. Um, you also mentioned that you're writing at the moment uh, on a new book. So would you like to tell our audience about your immediate future plans? Maybe there is something coming up that you would like to share with us or can already yes. share with us um, so that, that, that we can follow it up at some point also. Mm -hmm. um, I'm working on three or four projects right now. And... Um, I, I don't really have the energy to talk about all of them, but there's one of them that really fascinates me. And the general topic, or let's call it the hashtag if you want, is Techlash, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And I've been working on this for a couple of years now, and uh, um, I will say that the prophets see a big pushback coming against technology and I've been preparing for it as a writer and um, what I'm looking for at this point is uh, people who feel the same as I do to get in touch with me and see what we can do with uh, these ideas. I think we've gone too far with technology and we're yeah. beyond, way beyond mm -hmm. the point where mm -hmm. it's beneficial to humankind. It is also a kind of expression of materialistic life, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Susan. I hope somebody will reply. Thank and you. if they reply also to Thoth Hermes, I'm happy to forward anybody who wants to get in touch with you, if that's okay with you, Susan. Uh, oh, I will perfect. forward that on to you. So please, guys, do reply to Thoth Hermes and we will help you further. Um, Susan, Thank you for this fascinating hour in your company. Thank you for giving us the time. It was, Thank you, Susan. Uh, yes, it was a great pleasure to have you. And, well, good luck for all your projects. And, uh, well, we'll see what the time and the paradigm will bring us in the future, won't we? Oh, and thank you so much. And let me say that the uh, title of the book is Field Guide to the Spirit World. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, we'll also have that on the website. And of course, all the links to where the book can be bought and who published it, etc. will be able to be found there. Uh, no worries. And yes, this book is really something our audience should get and read. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for your time. It was so great meeting you. And let's do it again. Yeah, with pleasure. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Susan. So bye now. Bye bye. There we go. Very interesting and fascinating. I look forward to discovering her next book, which Susan was talking about. Tech slash, actually, the subject might be one of the future roundtable talks that we plan here on the Thought Hermes podcast with some other guests. Maybe we should also bring Susan into that. So, friends and listeners, as you know by now, I think... This is the end of the show, as those main episodes, or let's rather call them interview episodes, do not contain any news or review sections anymore. Once again, look out for Thoth Hermes Ex Libris in the near future. Our next interview episode will be Masonic again. I will be talking, this time without Lena, to Jamie Paul Lamb, author of the book Myth, Magic and Masonry. I think the title is self-explaining. And after that, in episode 3, 
do look forward to listen to somebody you probably all know. The longest living member of the OTO, musician, writer and a very nice gentleman, Lon Milo Duquette. In between, you will get the first of the Thos Hermes Ex Libris episodes, I guess. Now comes our new intro-outro music again. And for today, I hope you enjoyed Susan Martinez's talk, and I will now let you go. Thanks for listening. Take care. Stay tuned. See you soon.